This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 25th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. What is the state of freedom in the Muslim world? Based on data from Cato's Human Freedom Index, Mustafa Akiol has been researching this question. We discussed his new report this week. The Cato Institute produces the Human Freedom Index, and uh, we're also the U.S. distributor of the Economic Freedom of the World Index, and the Human Freedom Index uses some of that uh, data as well. You've gone a step further to create an index of freedom for Muslim-majority countries. Why do that? Thanks, Caleb. Indeed, I'm now launching the Freedom in the Muslim World report as a part of uh, Cato Institution Studies. What I did here was to take the Human Freedom Index, which is an amazing uh, overview of personal and economic freedom in the world and four corners of the world, but I wanted to look into Muslim-majority countries specifically. Uh, why? Well, I'm working on Islam and freedom uh, and its implications in, in all levels, uh, from a philosophical, theological level, and in, in terms of practical reality as well. Secondly, it's interesting to look at Muslim-majority countries because, as this report shows, the Muslim-majority world is the least free part of the world, on average. I'm emphasizing on average because also there is huge diversity in the so-called Muslim-majority world. Uh, There are about 50 or 51 Muslim-majority countries in the world. Uh, we, we were able to look into 40 of them because there's data available in 40 of them. And, uh, the average is not great. I mean, when you look at, uh, regional averages, North America and Western Europe are the freest parts of the world in terms of personal freedoms. And, you know, what is personal freedom, by the way? It is freedom of speech, religion, movement, relationships, uh, association, expression, Uh, also rule of law and uh, security and safety. So from those measures uh, in the world, Western Europe and North America are freest parts of the world. Then there's a world average. And then comes the Muslim majority countries, which is way below the world average. So this shows to anybody who's interested in freedom in the world, and including Muslim people themselves, that we have a problem here. We have a burning freedom deficit, as I put in this report. But the same report also compares Muslim-majority countries with each other. And there there you see, actually, it is difficult to speak of one uh, monolithic Muslim world because some Muslim-majority countries are actually below the world average. They are pretty free. uh, And some are very, very much uh, at the bottom of the index. What are the bright spots? And, and where are these countries? I know you you uh, mentioned before we started recording that the Middle East uh, among uh, Muslim majority countries was relatively the least free. But what are the bright spots, and where are those countries in particular located? The bright spots, which means the freest Muslim majority countries, are in Southeast Europe. Two of them. Uh, number one is Bosnia and Herzegovina. That is the freest Muslim-majority country, uh, closely followed by Albania. Their freedom levels scores are very much similar to Argentina and Greece, uh, and very close to you know West European levels, uh, which means you know they have personal freedom in terms of people can be religious or not religious and pious or not pious. Women are free; they have equal rights. 
uh, economic freedom is pretty strong as well, as well as other indicators. So they are the bright spots of the Muslim world. They're followed by uh, two interesting countries that people might not even think of when they think of freedom. One is Burkina Faso from West Africa, and then the Kyrgyz Republic from Central Asia. Because after Southeast Europe, that is Bosnia, Herzegovina, and Albania, uh, and if we had data, we could maybe put Kosovo there, but we don't have data about Kosovo at this point. After Southeast Europe, West Africa and Central Asia are also relatively personally free regions in the Muslim world. Uh, they are followed by Southeast Asia. That would include uh, Pakistan or Malaysia or Indonesia. And as you pointed out, the least free part of the w Muslim world and the whole world, actually, is the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, and, and the least free countries there are, not surprisingly, the countries that have gone through occupation or civil war in the past decade. Uh, those are uh, Syria, Iraq, and Yemen. But they're also closely followed by autocratic regimes such as Iran, Saudi Arabia, or Egypt. You were no doubt aware that uh, Muslim-majority countries tended to be less free uh, before you put this report together. Uh, I think a lot of people, when they think about Albania, probably do not think free country. Well, that is because Albania has a probably very dark history as a very unfree country throughout the you know second part of the 20th century. But Albania was unfree not because of Islam, but because of communism. You know, its communist regime under Enver Hoxha was a very oppressive regime. It was actually an officially atheist regime which banned any religious practice, that is Islam or Christianity. Uh, so... And that in itself actually reminds us that there are complicated dynamics here. Uh, I mean, the least free Muslim countries include Saudi Arabia and Iran, which are, by the way, against each other very strongly, and they have different foreign policies. Saudi Arabia is very close to the United States, as uh, people would know, uh, whereas Iran is very anti-American. But it doesn't change the fact that they are both similarly unfree, as we show in the report. On the other hand, there is Egypt, which is a very oppressive regime, another very unfree Muslim-majority country. Egypt is not run by Sharia, you know, Islamic law, although it has that in the fam family law to some extent. Uh, but it is what some scholars have called a secularly oppressive regime in the sense that it is not run by Islamic law, but uh, so you, because you have some problems there, obviously, regarding religious freedom or equality before law, but it has a militarized government. So one thing I wanted to highlight in this report, as data shows, is that there are different sources of authoritarianism. Sometimes it comes from oppressive interpretations of Islam, which is a major problem, which we should work on. But also it comes from just a military regime or a nationalist government. Uh, and for example, you see another interesting dynamic in the Middle East. When you look at economic freedom, you see very something very interesting. Uh, Arab monarchies are economically more free than Arab republics on average. And people may wonder why. Uh, I mean, a republic sounds more progressive, right? I mean, something more modern. Well, the Arab republics in question, that is Libya, Egypt, uh, Algeria, Syria, and Iraq, they were built as socialist republics. They were created as uh, socialist regimes. There was a big ideological movement of Arab socialism. So in those countries, you have very big and corrupt bureaucracies 
Whereas in Arab monarchies, which are more traditional, uh, you have more market dynamics, for example. That's another aspect that our report unveils. What surprised you, though? Uh, was, was there anything that came through in this report that you thought, well, I, I honestly didn't expect this country to perform that poorly or this country to perform that well? Well, nothing surprised me to a great extent, but there were things I felt and I was happy to see them shown by data. Uh, one thing, for example, that is interesting is uh, the impact of democracy. We generally think of democracy as something that helps freedom, which is true. When we look at human freedom index, uh, in general, in the world average, you see a strong correlation between democracy and human freedom, which means if a country becomes more democratic, you are likely to see it as more personally free as well. Of course, there are some problems. For example, India is a democracy. Uh, you know, governments come to power in India with democratic means, but you might have an authoritarian government that, you know, champions uh, ethno-nationalism like the current government in India, which is uh, championing Hindu nationalism. So you might have problems within democracy regarding uh, to that. But in the Muslim world, we see this even more so. There are Muslim-majority countries that are a bit more democratic, but other ones that are less democratic can be more free. Uh, and because the, the, the term democracy there merely means elections, and elections are great, you know, it's a part of the whole liberal democratic package, but elections can bring an illiberal or authoritarian party to power, especially in divided societies. So data hints to certain problems like that. And this was not a big analysis of the whole situation, but when I looked at data and saw something, I tried to make a sense of this. That is a situation with democracy, for example. Uh, I looked into the Arabic world carefully to see which Arab countries are doing better or worse. Uh, the two or the three Arab majority, Arab countries and Muslim majority countries that are relatively free and have higher freedom levels compared to many others are Lebanon, Tunisia, and Jordan. Again, their political systems are different. I mean, Jordan is a monarchy, Tunisia is a republic, and, and Lebanon is too a republic. Uh, whereas you see on the other end, uh, very oppressive Arab regimes for different reasons, for religious reasons or for merely authoritarianism uh, coming from you know, dominant groups and classes or the military. How are women doing in Muslim-majority countries? How women are doing in Muslim-majority countries? Well, in some of them, they're doing pretty great. In some of them, they're not. Uh, that's what our report shows. And which are those countries that Muslim women or women in Muslim-majority countries are really doing great in terms of their freedoms? Two regions are bright spots. Uh, these are... Southeast Europe and Central Asia. And I by that I mean countries like Kazakhstan or Azerbaijan, which have political authoritarianism, by the way, which is a separate issue. But women have exact same rights, and there's nothing that really oppresses them in terms of becoming full members of society. Uh, that is true for Bosnia, Herzegovina, and Albania as well. Even in Turkey, which has a big problem with patriarchy, when you look at the legal system, the legal system doesn't discriminate against women. Uh, but when you look into uh, countries like Egypt, Yemen, Saudi Arabia, uh, many Arab countries, 
you see that women are quite unfree, uh, and th- that's what data shows. And by by knowledge, I mean, we know that. I mean, Saudi Arabia women are uh, imposed uh, certain ways of life. They they were not even able to drive recently. And we also looked into a specific problem that is a big uh, threat to women, that is female genital mutilation. Uh, examples of which have been uh, recently also sometimes spotted in the West as well. Uh, and our data confirms what experts on female genital mutilation would say, and that is this is a huge problem in some Muslim majority countries. Uh, it is unknown in most Muslim majority countries because it's a regional problem. It's it's found only in uh, North Africa and North and East Africa. So you have female genital mutilation in very high numbers in countries like Guinea or Sierra Leone or Egypt or Sudan. But when you look at other parts of the Muslim world, people even don't know what it is. So it is not coming directly from religion. And, and you know that's the explanation. It's coming from local customs. And those local customs are in some countries, not all Muslim majority countries. One of the things that Ian Vasquez and the folks at the Fraser Institute in Canada like to point out is this relationship between wealth and uh, economic freedom. Uh, do we have anything to say clearly about Muslim-majority countries and the relationship between wealth and uh, various kinds of freedom? There is a correlation between economic freedom and personal freedom. That is true. Uh, countries like Bosnia or Albania, which are personally free, are also economically free as well. And countries that are in the middle of the index have similar uh similar scores, I can say, on economic and personal freedom, although there are nuances as well. In general, Muslim world, the Muslim majority world, has a relatively better stance on economic freedom compared to personal freedom. Uh, Because in uh, countries like Saudi Arabia, uh, you really don't have much personal freedom, but you would be welcome to open up a company and invest there and so on and so forth. That's true for countries like UAE or Qatar or Gulf monarchies and Kuwait and so on and so forth. So uh, generally, Muslim world has a burning problem more so in personal freedom than economic freedom. And the problems with economic freedom are coming from more with socialist traditions like in the Arab republics uh, than traditional uh, ways of life. However, we also do see a correlation there. I mean, it's not an accident that uh, Albania has a very high economic freedom and also a very high level of personal freedom. Mustafa Akiol is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and author of Freedom in the Muslim World, released today. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.